doesn't know what that car chase scene is. If you don't know anything about movies and don't know anything about cars, you're excused. But you're here today to learn a whole lot about just that because we're going to talk about automobiles and movies, going through some of the history, some of the classics, some of the comic ones, some of the crime ones. And joining me today to help us get through all these movies include Todd Lassa from Motor Trend Magazine, Peter DeLorenzo, the publisher of AutoExtremist.com, and Jim Hall with 2953 Analytics. Great having you all here. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks, John. Jim, I'll start with you. Cars and movies, they sort of developed in parallel, didn't they? I mean, you can go way back and find cars and movies. If you look at the actual the spread of motion pictures, it's about the same time the automobile really became something that was interesting. And very early on in film, the, the thing about moving pictures was it was moving. So they would literally go out and photograph things that moved. So guess what they'd photograph? Horses, ships, dancing, and lo and behold, automobiles. As automobiles appeared, it was great to see these things driving around. And we actually have a lot of historic footage of old automobiles that exist because they moved to go take pictures of them. And it's, it's that simple. And trains. Well, yeah. <laughs> and airplanes when they came. I mean, right. if something moved, they'd, they'd photograph it. And, and crashed them all together, too. I mean, they love doing that, Peter. I mean, it, it seems to me that, and maybe it's just because it was Keystone Cops, it was Laurel and Hardy, it was W.C. Fields. Cars played a comic role in a lot of those early movies. Well, absolutely. And, but cars, you know, were such a part of the growth of the nation that it was almost inexorably linked with everything that was going on. And car chases just seemed like a natural. I mean, you know, somebody was doing something wrong and the cops are chasing them. So it got cars in it. It was great. I think, I think the parallels just go on and on. I mean, if you look at each country that uh, developed the car, uh, it was big in developing cars, Germany, France, the U.S., we all have our own kind of style of movies, our own kind of style of cars, especially in the early years. And, and you go up into the 1930s when, when we were in a horrible depression, and, and yet there were some great flamboyant cars, and the, there were great movies about uh, rich people having great lives and driving those great cars. Very escapist in that result. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, it, the, the thing with, with, with cars and film that, that's sort of interesting to, to back up on is that, for one thing, a lot of people early on in cinema... And, and early, you know, we're talking about uh, in the teens, there weren't, you didn't have a lot of people with owning, owning cars. They didn't. So the films would let them see things and see cars do things they wouldn't normally see. Uh, the Keystone Cops is amazing because then you had cars and people inexorably linked with stunts. And you could, you could say that Senate was one of the guys that really popularized the idea of the car chase as comedy. And it worked really, really well because there'd be chases in films before. Um, D.W. Griffith's great, uh, great train robbery has a, a, sort of an extended horse chase. And you could see it. It was drama. But car chases were funny. And they used them. You used to see them in, comic, in comedies far more than you'd see them in dramas back then. For one thing, remember that until sound came out, the concept of how a dramatic actor worked in a film was sort of weird anyway. You know, you had to overact because you had to commute everything with your eyes and your face and going things like... <laughs> So the, that went one way, but comedy is, is people doing funny things. And cars moving fast and guys hanging off the back or forming a human chain dragging on the ground might not be funny if you're one of the guys dragging on the asphalt, but boy, it sure looked good. That said, when, when filmmakers try to make film an art form, take it out of the uh, kind of the penny arcade sort of uh, uh, milieu and make it an art form, 
cars were already a prop and we've never really had a great car film. We've never had a car film where you'd say that thing's going to win an Academy Award. There's never been, I mean, there, uh, there was Orson Welles, he tried to do a movie called Magnificent Ambersons. It was a follow-up to Citizen Kane and it was about how the automobile changed the small town. Editors chopped it all up because, uh, because of Citizen Kane. He wasn't able to do uh, his own director's cut back then. So we don't know how good it might have been. Cars weren't only just in the early years. And in fact, Hollywood started to focus on the automotive industry itself. Peter, there's a number of movies about the car industry. Well, um, yeah, because we as a nation, I'm going back to this growth of a nation thing, but we were building our nation. Uh, we were populating our nation with automobiles. And the story of the automobile industry yielded some magic uh, moments. On and the and film. it's the story of America in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Because the the, you know, the the building of roads, just expanding, was because of automobiles, and that's and everybody could identify that. Um, you, you have auto industry films where it's peripheral before the war. There's a movie called Speed with uh, Jimmy Stewart in it, and in it he's a mechanic uh, that becomes an engineer that designs this new component for a car, and the only way to test it is racing. So they sort of were showing how factories got involved in racing, and it was, it was, it's, it's entertaining, but there ain't much reality to it. But it's pretty good. Well, well there may be this whole thing of, you know, uh, Hollywood looking at the automobile and how America's growing, but then there's Hollywood versions of what the industry's all about and how it works, Todd. And I'm thinking of one movie, uh, The Betsy. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm going to have to throw this to Jim because that's <laughs> one of the few movies on our list we haven't seen. I'm, I want to talk about the other one. Uh, okay. uh, the the, the Betsy is interesting. The, 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 there was a movie before The Betsy called Woman's World that was an attempt at doing a movie that was based in the auto industry, but the auto industry stuff was secondary to it. But The Betsy is about the development of a car, but written in only the way Harold Robbins could. So it has darn little automobile in it. Um, one of the high points is the, the turbine-powered Pinto driving through the alleys of downtown Detroit as they're trying to escape the spy photographers that know there's something special about the turbo-powered Pinto. I think Jim Dunn was in that one. Yeah, I think Jim, there's a Jim Dunn character in it. Uh, there's a character that is supposed to be um, uh, Ralph Nader. There is a subtext story that is supposed to be uh, basically... Henry Ford and Edsel Ford. But it and was a train wreck. It, oh, the movie was a horrible, it was a disaster. <laughs> but it, it, one of its interesting things is it's the only film that was actually photographed with the technical cooperation of AMC Design because they shot inside the AMC Design Studio. Which is on Plymouth Road in Detroit, still there today. Still, still there. there. And uh, the executive suite, they shot in that building as well. So they, the AMC cooperated with them. The Betsy in the end of the film is a, is a rather poorly customized Lancia Beta Coupe. But it's supposed to have a turbine engine in it because of the soundtrack. And this is a movie that has Sir Lawrence Olivier in it as, the, as sort of the, the Henry Ford the First character. It's, it is, it's an amazing film. With oh. a great American accent, I'm sure. Oh, he can, he can, he can do accents. The yes, man can do can. accents. That's so true. what was the movie that you wanted to well, talk Black, about? Well, Black Test Car, I think, may be my favorite Black, car movie of Black all time. Black Test and Car. Which, yes. What's that? And it's a, it's a Japanese film, of all things, from 1962. And it uh, stars the Tiger, uh, Tiger Pre Premier Sport. Pioneer Sport. Pioneer Sport. And the uh, My Pet Sport. It's, uh, it's about two car companies spying on each other. And, and uh, one is developing a sport car, sports car, the other one starts developing one in reaction to it. We screened this at uh, a Woodward Dream Cruise uh, party a few years ago, and uh, one of the industry people at the party said, you know, it's way too close to that. It's really like that. <laughs> too close to life. Too close to life. And uh, that's very scary if you see the movie, but it's a dark, 
Uh, it's a film noir by Japanese standards. Noir, right. um, it's it's also a movie that gets into automotive espionage. It gets into engineering. It gets into the concept of pricing as a competitive thing. It's very very astonishing. But it, unless you speak Japanese, it's a movie you read because <laughs> that's a read it, by the subtitle. It's a subtitle film, yeah. but it's. It's, it's, it's a really intriguing picture, and it is, like Todd said, it's astonishingly dark. And, and worth looking at now, uh, given all that's happened to Toyota in the last few months, I think uh, we should take another look at that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that, but I'm sure that black test car isn't readily available, or is it? No, but we, I have it on DVD, so it's, you, you can, can it buy it. Amazon has it on DVD. I don't, sure. I've never seen a download of it, at least not a non-FTP uh, torrent download, but I've never seen it. A proper download. You, you can buy it from Amazon. You have to you have to order it specially. You're not going to find it in your. Well, are there any video stores left? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. But let's move on because crime and cars seem to go hand in hand, Peter. There's all kinds of movies, uh, you know, that I've got here. You know, we opened up with uh, Bullet, one of the greatest chase scenes of all time. Right. Uh, Jim, I think, may argue that it's not the greatest, but everybody knows about it. What, what do you make of this combination of automobiles and crime? I think it's a match made in heaven. I mean, <laughs> you need to escape rapidly, and there's people with Tommy guns chasing you. I mean, it's just it's just magic. You've got a movie, one of your favorites, Vanishing Point, oh, which is yeah. the, the driving of the car starts the crime. Exactly. Which but, is pretty intriguing. I mean... Yeah, I agree with Jim that it's not the best chase scene, but it's the... You're first, talking about Bullet now. A bullet, yes, I'm sorry. Bullet is not the best chase scene, but it's the first of its kind, and it's... It, it, uh, spawn all these other chase some movies that were nothing but chase scenes. I mean, well, Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, you know, sure. And the letters to Henry Ford mm -hmm. from Dillinger. Well, didn't Clyde Barrow write him one too? I think they think he might have. But but you're right. The criminals loved Fords because he did this relatively he had the V8. He had a V8. Car oh, was fast. But the good guys in the Ford in Bullet, the bad guys are in the Dodge Charger. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but uh, I details, bet those details. Although I'll well, here's, bet you. A, here's an example, though, again, of a movie where it's a great chase scene, not the best, but a great chase scene that led to even better chase scenes. Which is which movie now you're talking Bullet. about? Bullet. Okay. I know we've yeah, talked yeah. about a bunch. <laughs> Getting back to Bullet, the original here. Uh, great chase scene, but try to sit through the whole movie. The, the ending just keeps going on and on and on. Steve McQueen, a good action film actor, but, you know, he would have made a great silent film star, and he almost is in this movie. <laughs> And, and so it's not, uh, the only reason you watch that movie is for the chase scene. Okay, most chase scenes and most cars of, uh, of the type that we're talking about are big performance cars. But talk about the Italian job. And, there, and there's two versions of that and polar extremes. And there's only one there. version. We don't count the second version. You, you don't count the new one. You're, you're <laughs> no, that's about awful. The, the that's that's a commercial. Yeah, but Charlize Theron was in the second one. That's <laughs> a redeeming characteristic. There's no doubt about well, it. So, I mean, come on, you know. But, but the, you know, the Italian job, the premise... Uh, first of all, of, of having, uh, it's so bizarre, the, the Red Chinese want a fiat plant in China, so they, they decide to pay for it with gold. They fly into Torino, and these British criminals, uh, masterminded and funded by Noel Coward in an English prison, huh? Get, uh, they basically go get uh, Harry Palmer, um, Michael Caine, to get a bunch of minis and steal the gold and put it in minis. They shut down the traffic computer in Torino, and the, the chase scene in it is amazing. The driving is phenomenal. Um, there's a scene where they were driving the minis onto a ramp to get them inside a bus, a tour bus. And they, show, they filmed it at real speed at about 60 miles an hour. And if you think about the physics of taking the car, and there's a front-wheel drive car, which probably helped, getting it up the ramp, pulling it in and stopping so you can get two more minis in behind it. It's amazing driving. 
they're jumping him from roof to roof with rather unsatisfactory explanation of how they got to the roof. And, well, and see, here's another example. But it all leads to that chase scene. It's all about the chase scene in this, in this case. But any movie that starts with the destruction of what was then a brand new or close to it, Lamborghini Miura. Is pretty amazing when it gets it drives into a bulldozer and that, the bulldozer dumps it off the road. You know, it's it like, makes wow. a lot of car gra- guys cringe just the way a lot of car guys cringe at the uh, uh, race in Vanishing Point between the Dodge Challenger and the Jaguar E-Type. So, yeah. uh, especially the British car guys, they hate those movies because all the British cars get smashed up. Pretty much yeah. smashed yeah. up. And the truth is, a lot of the British cars wouldn't be going that fast because they'd be leaking oil all over the ground. <laughs> oh, sorry. If you got them started. <laughs> What's this one? The Seven Ups. That's that's on our list here. Okay, uh, Bullet was was produced by Philip D'Antoni, and it the guy that drives the Charger in Bullet is a, is a guy by the name of Bill Hickman, who's an actor that also is a stuntman. Hickman was the guy that basically did a lot of the choreography, if that's the term, for the chase in. Uh, um, I've just blanked out on it. Um, French Connection. French Connection. Yes, which we need to talk about. We, we do. And French Connection, to me, doesn't quite count as a car chase because a car versus an elevated train is not a chase. Well, but it's a chase. It's not it, a chase. It may not be a car. Well, first of all, there are cars on an elevated train. So it is oh, a car please. <laughs> but secondly, it's a chase. There's also uh, Gene Hackman in the 1971 Pontiac, or four of them they used for that chase scene, under the L train. And I think the way it's cut, I think the way it's cut, the way it's shot, is, is very compelling, very nice pacing in that chase scene. That, that's one of my favorites. But, but after that, they, they did a film. D'Antoni produced a film with Roy Scheider in it, and uh, it, it's basically about a special police unit in New York City. And there is a chase scene in there, shot in Manhattan, and then it goes across the GWB, and I think it goes up the Jersey Turnpike, but I'm not sure which of the turnpikes it is. The chase is filmed it's never under, they never undercrank it. Undercranking is where they film slowly so it speeds it up. It's all shot at real speed. Sometimes they were going very fast in traffic. Uh, they hit the same poor little opal twice, but that's a whole other story. At Hickman drives the door it. flies open and they knock the door yeah, off. Yeah, they knock the door off. But the, the chase is, it's an astonishing chase. Uh, the story is, is rather gritty, and it was rated R, and it's, 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 it's a little bit on the tough side to watch. But it, it really is a good job of Pontiac versus Pontiac in a chase. And, and, uh, and it came out in 1973, two years after the French Connection. Roy Scheider actually plays the same character. Uh, based on a real character in the as, that he played in the French Connection, where he was Gene Hackman's uh, kind of his sidekick. It's a pseudo cop. sequel. It's one of those movies. It's it's worth seeing, uh, but it's definitely on the gritty side. And the chase is darn good, especially it's my favorite too. especially when the hood is blown off the car by the shotgun, and that's setting it up for something that happens later in the chase that I won't talk about. <laughs> We have to we watch the give movie. It away. Don't okay. give it away. Don't want to give it away, what folks. Else is on your list? Racing, Peter. Oh, some yeah. really good racing movies and some really poor racing movies too. <laughs> well, absolutely. I, my personal favorite uh, is Grand Prix, mm-hmm. the uh, because Grand Prix is responsible for launching. I contend for launching a lot of driving careers. Guys, you're right. My age became totally enamored of, in, of the whole idea of racing after watching Grand Prix. And you talk to Bobby Rahal, and he'll say the same thing. And I went over to England to race cars after I saw Grand Prix, followed by Le Mans, with the real footage of the, uh, actual race footage with real cars and real accidents that caused some people some badly bad injuries. But I think those two are the classics. But there were some bad ones like. The Elvis Presley one, Speedway. Oh, Jim, Jim's, you, you just oh. hurt Jim. I think oh. he likes that one. However, <laughs> I will say this about Speedway. The Cobra he used in that ended up being run by a driver by the name of... Spin-out. 
Yeah. That's spin out, not yeah, speedway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, spin out. It ended up being <laughs> raced in the Central Division, a production. Right. Successfully. Uh, in the late 60s, driven by a guy by the name of Bill Hurd. But that was Hurt, and that was from uh, spin out. When you, when you talk about racing movies, you go back, it really, before sound films, when they would go and photograph races, there are pictures of astonishing races that took place in Europe in the teens because they got a motion picture camera and they would shoot these things. This was also when they were doing extremely long Grand Prix that would go like uh, 14, 15 mile laps. Some of them would go from town to town. And when you watch a montage of old racing footage like this, the first thing you notice is that the cars started crashing at low, or they, they crashed at low speeds and people got out, tipped the cars over and drove off. And as the cars got faster, they didn't start, they stopped doing that. But the first modern racing movie that I think is worth watching is a film called To Please a Lady. And it takes place, it was shot on location during the Indy 500 for 1950, Clark Gable and Barbara Stanwyck. I remember that. It it is really really a great movie that captures Indy racing at that time, and it does a very, very good job. It has a lot of the hokey drama beforehand when he's the driver that kills guys, you know, so he's got a bad reputation. He has to race down in sort of the minor leagues of, of fair racing. But it's, it's really a very, very well, uh, it, it's a well put together film and it's got great footage in it. Um, if, if you want to talk about Grand Prix, because Grand Prix is, is sort of the high watermark for race films. It is, but I, I have to say, I, and I have to get back to my original point, is that I remember dragging my parents, I was seven, seven, eight, nine years old when that movie came out in 1966, and dragging my parents to see that cinemascope with the, uh, the great opening shot that starts in one screen and then splits two, four, and so on and At so the forth. Start, this, when great, starting before the Monaco Great Grand cutting, great, great editing, great footage of racing. And I remember just kind of drifting off when there wasn't racing on the screen. Uh, for those love scenes in between, they just weren't very good. You were like six years old. That's why I had no latency period, just like Woody <laughs> Allen in the, in the in his movie. But uh, no, I was seven or eight, and and just kind of drifted off when they weren't racing. So again, a great movie. But if you take out all the other scenes, I, I would love to have a version of it where it's nothing but racing scenes. See, and, and Peter mentioned Lama, and you mentioned something about Steve McQueen being a great silent film actor. Yeah. Lama embodies that more than anything else. Oh, the exactly. scene where he stops sure. and stares at the guardrail for about two minutes of film time, you're like. Wow. Lama also, in one respect, is a great racing movie because I contend it captures something about, two things about Lama. It captures the astonishing boredom of Lama. It actually does. And they, they yeah. do it in a way where it, the movies, but it, it, the pacing becomes glacial. And then the, the buzz, because what's happening is happening so fast. And Lama is like this. It's a crazy roller coaster ride. The film's pacing could have been a little bit better, but the racing footage is darn good. But that's part of the problem here, right? I mean, you know, we're all car nuts. We love seeing some of this old footage particularly, but the the plot lines don't necessarily hold up. We're all watching this because we love the cars in it, and and especially the older stuff, but we're not watching it because it's a great movie. Well, I actually didn't mind Grand Prix because if you go back and watch it, there's there's a lot of layers going on. There's Jim Garner who's washed up. Mm -hmm. He gets embraced by the very Honda-esque Japanese car maker, and then you've got... Played by, by Toshiro Mifune, by the way. Right. He had to be dubbed, I think, well, for that movie, right? Yeah, he was dubbed. And, and then, but you all, you're and right. Yves Montan. Yves Montan. The, the, the Yves Montan is Jean-Paul Sarti. Yeah. I mean, what a, <laughs> but, but you're right. A it does foreshadowing there, perhaps? But it does play on, on, on multiple levels. I agree. And in, in that respect... And, and Enzo Ferrari character. And, and played I mean, fabulously by Adolfo Celli. Yeah, and it's all there. So <laughs> go back. Play Enzo well, he Ferrari. looks like Enzo Ferrari. This yeah. is the guy that played Largo in Thunderball with the eye patch. And in this, you look at it and you go, he's, he's commendatory Manetta. Yeah. You know, he is Ferrari. The man is Ferrari. Yeah, he is. You know, and apparently Enzo 
when Enzo was told that, he, that Adolfo Celli, he went, he, he was like, oh. <laughs> You're right. There are some other scenes, but my, my, my copy of it, age. I would edit it down to about, about an hour or so. It, I it, think it, it's still, there, there's never been a great, great car movie, a racing movie. I think that could be compelling, but, you know, what, the mix of what are the, how much what, racing do you do and how much... Uh, of the backstory do, do you do. I think that's the thing is there, hard if, thing to balance. If you talk about car movies, the first thing that comes out is you find this giant treasure trove of racing films that start in the silent era and they actually, with, with supposed script or stories, and they, they run through to recent films. So there's so many more racing films than movies that are about the auto industry. Mm-hmm. Than, even, than even probably comedies where cars are a giant part of well, but and then, and then so many of them use footage from real races, which leads you to wonder why not just watch a film with a lot of real footage from races. I mean, you know, there, there, there's... you a, wouldn't see that many crashes. Well, you wouldn't see that many crashes. Let's talk about some movies, though, that did become classics in which a car played a role, maybe not a primary role, but I'm thinking of The Graduate, Peter. I mean, here you've got this uh, Alfa Romeo that's almost a star in the movie. Absolutely a star in the movie. And, for know, decades after. For decades after, and I contend that Alfa really grew up with that movie. I mean, it put Alfa Romeo in this country on the map. Absolutely. To, to a large market, yes, yeah. you're right. That's why, you know, talk today about we're going to bring Alfa back. There's a whole generation. Alfa that just doesn't register. But that movie put Alfa on the map. It was great. It just played a great role, too. And the story is that Dustin Hoffman was the guy who said, let me drive an Alfa, because apparently his uncle, maybe, was Max Hoffman. The importer, and he was importing original Elvis importer, at the time. one of the yeah. original importers. He goes back to the fifties. He, uh, Max Hoffman, imported uh, Mercedes back in the early years, Porsches, before, Porsches, and so on. He started Anyways. basically started import the whole import thing. And, and so I, I don't know what they were going to give him. Maybe a Porsche 911, maybe a Corvette or whatever. But uh, Dustin Hoffman said, "No, make, make it an Alfa Romeo." And it turns out to be exactly another character in the movie. The 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 scene where he's scenes where he's driving back and forth between L.A. and Berkeley and uh, top-down wind, wind yeah, in the Yeah, the scene through the tunnels, tunnels in Gaviota. He's going the wrong way through the tunnel, yeah. yeah. but it doesn't matter. Okay, it's great scenes. I've got to ask Jim about a movie because I've never heard of this, and maybe Todd and, and Peter, you know this too. A movie called Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. What <laughs> <Yeah>. the? <laughs> Explain it's, this one. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Russ Meyer exploitation film. Yeah, it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's almost unviewable, but not quite. The opening of it has this astonishing, Astonishingly incompetently put together race with these three rather voluptuous women racing their sports cars, an MGA, uh, an Austin Healey, and I think a Porsche 356, in the middle of uh, El Mirage Black Lake, or uh, Dry Lake, which is in north of Southern California, and, or north of LA, and they have tires to sort of race around. And, and they do this for like five minutes in the opening movie, and you're like, and there's three very violent women, by the way. You leave that part out. I mean, well, they're yeah. very, there's, there's a subtext there that, you know, we won't go into here. I mean, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a cult film, and there are people that will talk about the movie, and rather than talk about the, uh, the, the, the three women's rather um, obvious charms, shall we say, <laughs> they, they, they talk instead about this incredibly bizarre race where they're racing each other around the tires in the start of the because film. Because you could watch any Russ Meyer movie and talk about the women and their their, their uh, Dagmars? Uh, Dagmars, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, it's just it's one of those things, but it's, 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 apart. And it's, it's of, of all his films, there's an argument that that one, to some way, is, is weird really, because it's, it's, it's often this weird tangent in the start and it's just like, wow. But, you know, no one ever accused the man of, of uh, really Basically. linear right, or linear filmmaking. So, right. And, and to the, the other extreme, uh, animated film, Cars. Just, you know, uh, it was um, so unexpected, really. I mean, I, unexpected in what way? 
just on every level that someone in Hollywood with all the technical and artistic capability would devote all the creative energies to stories about cars. And for car people, it's just like, wow, they actually did that. They did a good job. It's yeah. actually uh, a very entertaining movie yeah. for all ages of all groups. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's someone who every... gets it, and there's, there's a car movie that gets it. Because there's yeah. something at every level. And, and, I mean, literally, you look in the background, there are things that they've done. And the detailing, yeah, the detailing is superb. The throughout. characters, doing a Hudson. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's one of those things. Getting Paul Newman to do the Hudson. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's then cameos like, like Michael Shoemaker and Click and Clack and so on, yeah. It's, it's an astonishing thing that, one, they were able to do it, and two, that they pulled it off, and it worked as a film. Yeah. See, it, there's an argument. It may be the car film, but I think I think that's right. I well, think you know, we're, we're, we're running out of time here. We're running out of movies. We're not running out of movies <laughs> to talk about. We're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to do another show on this. But Todd Lassa, Jim Hall, Peter DeLorenzo, thank you guys for being Thanks, here. And thank you for having tuned in. Give me the best set of black holes you've got. No, 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 no. You don't know what you want. Luigi know what you want. Black wall tires, they blend into the pavement. But these white wall tires, they say, look at me, here I am.